Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you that the kingdom of God is here. And we thank you for the authority that we have. And so we take authority over the environment. And by the word of the living God right now, we sever off of ourselves anything that would distract, anything that would impede the transmission of your word and truth to our hearts. We rebuke them. We loosen ourselves from them in Jesus' name. We cast off every care in the name of Jesus. And Father, we separate ourselves unto you. And we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that the Spirit of God would so empower us in our innermost being, so strengthen us with might that we would be able to comprehend, that we would be able to receive and, 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 and receive from the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened so that we can see and grasp what is that hope that you have called us to and what is the inheritance in the saints, for you are our inheritance. And what is that exceeding great power that was demonstrated when you raised up Christ from the dead and that same power and that same spirit dwells within us. Father, you said Jesus at your right hand Far above all principalities, powers, might, dominion, and every name that is named. But you also raised us up together with him, so that we are seated with him. Far above all principalities, powers, might, dominion, and every name that is named. And you place all things underneath his feet. But we are his body, therefore all things are underneath our feet. And you've given him to be head over all things to the church, to us. This body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So we just thank you, Father, for the grace that abounds today, for the anointing that teaches us all things, that leads us and guides us into all truth, that brings things to our remembrance. Father, we thank you that even as he teaches us, even so we shall walk in those pathways in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks and praise and glory. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Let's have a seat. Hallelujah. Now, we've been teaching on the subject of five practices for Christ to live through you. We're going to continue along that line today with a slight little twist. And the twist is five activities that Christ is working through you. Amen. And the, 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 the whole message is based on this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, which says that God has made us able ministers of this new covenant. Every child of God that is born again of the spirit and of the word of God is an able, qualified minister of this new covenant. You are an able qualified minister of this new covenant, which is the covenant, which is the, the gospel of Christ, which is the reality and the revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the reason we are qualified and we are able ministers is, by, is because Christ himself is our life and he is in your spirit. And it is because Christ himself 
And because of the blood and the very essence of who we are in our born-again spirit, that we are able ministers of this new covenant. But for us to function in that and for that to become our experience for who we are to be, for us to become who we are on the inside, Christ himself must flow through us. Now it says, and turn with me to, to Hebrews chapter 13. And I want to lock in on this verse of scripture here um, for a few minutes. And that scripture, by the way, is on the back wall there. So for the next little while, whenever you come to church, just look on the black wall. Amen. And remind yourself, glory to God. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20 and 21. Let's dissect this a bit, amen? It says, now, I like the word now, don't you? Don't you like the word now? Now has salvation come, amen? Now the prince, now the, 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 the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. Now, now may the God of peace, who true our Lord Jesus Christ, sorry, let me read that over. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So it says, now may the God of peace, the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, the God of peace, who brought up the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he who did that through the blood, may he through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you complete. The Amplified says, may he strengthen, complete, and perfect, and make you what you ought to be, equip you with every good thing, with every good thing that you need so that you can carry out his will. While he himself, while he is working, say working, he is working in you. And accomplishing that which he pleases, which is also his will, in his sight. How? Through Jesus Christ. Say through Jesus Christ. All right. Let me preach just a little bit. The God of peace. Who is this God of peace? Well, we got to get a grasp of what peace is. Yes, peace is shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing. Peace is wholeness, it's prosperity, it's salvation, it's deliverance. But this peace is more than that in the new covenant. Colossians 1 verse 20 says, How that by the blood, that, by the blood of the cross, which is the sacrifice, Christ has purchased peace. So peace. This peace came because of the sacrifice, but then it goes on to say in Colossians 1, 1 verse 20, and has reconciled everything 
unto himself. So when you examine that scripture, it is saying this peace that Christ purchased through the blood of his cross, by his sacrifice, this peace, what does it look like? It's everything reconciled to God's original intent. What does that mean? It means what Jesus did in his sacrifice, what Jesus accomplished by his shed blood, was to produce this peace, which is everything reconciled to God's original intent, which is to say what Jesus did is to, by his sacrifice was to cause everything to be as if there was never a fall. Amen? For everything to be as if um, the way God had intended from before the foundation of the world. Amen? No, that means the reality of that that what Jesus did has reconciled everything to God's original intent according as it is in heaven. It's perfect in heaven, isn't it? According as it is in heaven, according to what is finished, everything being reconciled to that means that you and I, if we believe that peace, if we believe that, then we can walk into any situation and we can have on the gospel shoes of the readiness of peace. We can be ready in any situation that we walk into knowing that this situation has already been reconciled to God's original intent. And we've got the victory and we are more than conquerors even as we step in to a violent, conflicting environment. That is the revelation of this peace that the God of peace has accomplished through the shed blood of his son. Now, because that is the case, then Romans chapter 16 verse 20 becomes our expectation, our legitimate, reasonable expectation that the God of peace shall bruise Satan underneath your feet shortly. Can you see that? When we recognize the reality that this peace that has been purchased and accomplished by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. Everything has been reconciled to his original intent so that, it is, so that it could be on earth as it is in heaven. When we recognize that, then no matter what situation we face, we have no justification to be anxious. What does that mean? It means in nothing. <laughs> be anxious for what? Nothing. At no time do we have any, um, any justification to be anxious if we can receive the reality that Jesus, what he has finished by his sacrifice, is reconciled everything to God's original intent. For that reason, it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 and 7, it says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be worried. Don't be fretful. Concerning anything. Don't take these thoughts about what am I going to do and what's going to... No, be anxious for nothing. In nothing be terrified by your enemy. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, in everything, remain hooked up. Remain in that constant engagement and, um, and fellowship and communion and consciousness of his indwelling presence. Stay hooked up. In nothing be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. 
But you see, anytime we allow anxiety, we disconnect from what? From the peace and the truth that everything has been reconciled. Amen? We have more confidence in what the enemy is doing, what the circumstances are saying, what it appears like. It is for that reason. That is why God says, look, don't look at the things that are seen. It's only going to produce anxiety. But look at the things that are not seen. Look at what is finished. Don't listen to the boisterous wind. Don't look at how, uh, at how the waves are. Because if you do that, you're not going to be able to walk on water to Jesus when he says come. Are you with me? Understand this. This God, this peace is everything reconciled to God's original intent. So now this God of peace is now saying that by the blood, the blood that raised up Jesus from the, by that blood of the everlasting covenant, that he is going to make you, he is going to equip you, and he is going to make you complete to be able to do his will. Whatever is needed for you to do his will, he says it's provided. And he is going to equip you to do his will and listen to how he's going to do it. Through Jesus Christ. Remember we've been talking about that? This reality, this, this, this thing about you being an able minister, you become, and you, you become that able minister and you can work that when Christ can work through you. So God says, I'm going to do this equipping, I'm going to do this perfecting, so that whatever you do is going to be so pleasing in my sight because of Christ. And I'm going to do it with Christ through you. Say Christ through me. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, he who has begun a good work will what? Complete it. Who will complete it? Well, now we know how. He's going to complete it by Christ working through you so that you can do his will and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Remember, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 says, God does all things according to his own pleasure, according to his own will, according to his own purpose. Amen? Sometimes people think, oh man, I'm going to just bombard the gates of heaven and I'm going to move God. I'm going to make God. No, 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 no. You can't move God. Nobody can move God. Nobody can make God do this or make God do that. God is not there. The Spirit of God is not here to do our will. But he is here to perform the will of the Father. And you and I, as we become aligned and as we function correctly in the kingdom of God, we are desiring the same, that it is God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember how Jesus said one time, many are, there, many are called, but few are chosen. Did he say that? What is that about? What is that about? What that is about is that there are many that are indeed born again. There are many that are indeed the kingdom of God. But they are in the kingdom of God, and they are after what they want. Their will, as opposed to the will of the Father. So many are called, many are called, but few of them are actually after the will of the Father. And Jesus says, that's my meat. And Jesus says, don't you call me Lord, Lord, and, and what? And I do what I say. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and just do your own will. Isn't that right? Are you with me? Praise the Lord. 
So God wants to wants Christ to flow through us, and as He does, God's will shall be done, and those things that are pleasing in His sight. In other words, exact. Remember, Jesus says, "I always do those things that please the Father." Well, that's exactly what Jesus will do through you. Amen. Do you think Jesus had a prayer life that, that pleased the Father? Well, he, he wants, he, so he wants his prayer life to function through you, for you to have his prayer life. Say, I want that too. Do you believe Jesus had an intimate fellowship with the Father? Well, our fellowship is to be with the Father and with the Son, and our fellowship is to be the same. You want that same fellowship. You want that same communion. You want to have Jesus' prayer life. You wanna, Jesus want to flow his prayer life, his, his worshipful reverence, his, his, his word, his life in the word, and, 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 his, and his passion and his desire to reach the lost. Those things are well-pleasing in the Father's sight. Can you see that? And those, that is the will of God. All right. Hallelujah. So, now what I want us to see is, is this whole thing again, I know we've been working on it, but that's okay. We need to work on it some more. Which is what? Christ living in you, but not just living in you, but living through you. That's where we want to go. That's what we want to grasp. Think of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Well, why? Why should you present your body a living sacrifice? Why should you not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Why? So that you might prove what is God's good, perfect, and acceptable will. God, so not as that scripture saying, be transformed in your mind, present your body a living sacrifice, um, don't be conformed to this world. And the reason why you're doing it is so that you can prove and you can become the very demonstration of the will of God being done in this earth as it is in heaven. It is for the purpose of the will of God that the will of God might be done. First Peter chapter 1 verse 2, awesome scripture. Matter of fact, I'm going to read it. I'm, I'm going to read it. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 says, The elect. Say, I'm the elect. Say it again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. America is having an election, but we were already elected. Hallelujah. <laughs> elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. In sanctification of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, Holy Spirit, and Son in one verse. Hallelujah. You are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God. The foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit. What for? For obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words then, you have been sanctified and set apart by the Holy Spirit according to the foreknowledge of God. And the way he did that is by the sprinkling of the blood 
of Christ. I mean, the blood has been sprinkled on you. Bam, you belong to God now. Amen? And you've been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. What for, though? Why did you were you sprinkled by the blood? Why were you set apart by the Holy Spirit? What is the foreknowledge of God that, that brought this about? Why? What for? For obedience of the faith. What do you mean obedience of the faith? The doing of the will of God. Are you with me? All right. Glory to God. We're doing good. Let's look at this even closer. Christ living through you. 1 John 4, 9. Let's flip over there. 1 John 4, 9. Here. 1 John 4, 9. Is this the love of God? The love of God. The love of the Father was manifested. The love of the Father was manifested. It was demonstrated towards us. Not just that Jesus died for us. Of course, that's a demonstration of that love. But that God had sent his only begotten son into the world to die for us. Why? That we might live through Christ. And that Christ might live through you. Oh, watch this for a moment. Stop, 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 stop. Think about this. God says, let me show you. I, I, I just want to, I want to communicate to you somehow. I need you to grasp how much I love you. I want you to know and be rooted, grounded, settled, and be anchored in the reality of how much I love you. He says, I love you so much that I had this plan from before the foundation of the world that I give my own son to be slain, to be crucified for you. And I sent him to carry it out. But not only that, I love you so much. And the reason I did all of that was for this purpose. So that as you live the rest of your life here in this earth, you might live it through him and that he might live through you. 1 John 4, 17 goes on to say, love has been perfected among us. And how is this love perfected? So it has been perfected so that we can have boldness, and it's been perfected herein. Here is always perfected. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. The Father says, it cannot be any better than this, but, that for, that, but I would not only give my son to die for you, but there's no perfect love, but that I would literally give you his life and for him to live through you. That's how much I love you. Are you with me? But what does it come down to? that he might live through you, that you might live through him. Hallelujah. Let's consider, because we want to see this Christ through us. We want to even grasp some more about this love of the Father. So let's look a little bit at the name of Jesus. Amen? Can we do that? Turn with me to John chapter 16. Now, if we go a little bit slower than I would have desired, then so be it. Hallelujah. Because we got to get this. John chapter 16, verse 17. Then some of his disciples said, Jesus has said, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, and so on. And I mean, you know, they were getting kind of sad about this. So then some of the disciples said among themselves, 
What is it that, that he says a little while and, and you're not going to see me? And again, a little while and, and you're going to see me. And because I go, because I go to the Father. So they said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? And we don't, we, we don't know what he's talking about, what he's saying. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. And he said to them, are you inquiring among yourself about what I said? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and you will lament, but the world, they're going to rejoice. You'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she's in labor, has, has, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as, but as soon as she has, been, has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but... I will see you again and your heart will rejoice. And your joy no man will take from you. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. You're not going to pray to me. You might fellowship with me. When you do certain things, I'm going to come. When you demand certain things, is you right, I'm going to come along and I'm going to do it and cause it to be so. But you're not going to pray to me anymore. Most assuredly, I say to you, but whatever... You ask the Father in my name. He'll give it you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. Now, let me, let, me, let me jump right ahead. I'll come back to this, but let me jump right ahead and, says, say, and say this. The name of Jesus, Jesus is in his name. Jesus and his name are one. It says in, you don't need to turn to it, but in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And then in verse 20, if two, now listen to this, if two of, or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now I know we take that to mean that if we have two or three of us together, we can have church. Jesus is in our midst, and that's okay. But let's look at it more, 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 more. Let's take a microscope to it. When two or three are gathered together, and even if it's you alone, quite frankly, in my name, there I am. Where are you, Jesus? In the midst of one, when it's two, three of us, is that it? No, in my name, there I am. Get that. In my name, there I am. In other words, the person of Jesus is the name. I'll say that again. The person of Jesus is the name. Now you say it with me. Say the person of Jesus is the name. Say it again. The person of Jesus is the name of Jesus. Now put that in your thinking. As you study the word, it will make a huge difference. All right. Okay, so back to John chapter 16. So John chapter 16, Jesus says, up until now you've asked nothing in my name, but whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, with me, whatever you ask the Father in my name, presenting me, where it's me, he'll give it to you. Until now you ask nothing in my name, ask and you will receive, that your joy would be full. And then in verse 27 he says, for the Father himself 
The Father himself loves you. Why? Because you love me. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Well, say this with me. Because I love Jesus, the Father loves me. I know that. I believe that. I believe the Father loves me because I love Jesus. Amen. Now in John chapter 17, verse, reading from verse 23, Jesus says, I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and that you have loved them as you love me. Say this with me. Say the Father loves me just as he loves Jesus. The Father loves me as much as he loves Jesus. All right. And then Jesus goes on to say, Father, I desire, not, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me so that where I am, they may, they may behold, so that they could be where I am and behold my glory which you've given me because you've loved me before the foundation of the world. Mm. Because you have loved me from before the foundation of the world. Now, you know something, just, just for a moment, think about this for a moment. Did not Jesus say that all that the Father has is mine? Did he say that? So if the Father has compassion, would Jesus have that too? If the Father so loved you, would Jesus so love you as the Father loved you? Amen? That's a good thought. Let me continue though. Oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I declare to them your name. What name? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider, El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. What name? The Lord your defense, Jehovah Nissi, one of the compound names. No, he says, I have declared unto them your name. That name is Father. Say Father. And I will declare it. Why? So that the love with which you love me, that that love may be in them and I in them. Say the Father loves me. Now the reality of this fatherhood of God is what the disciples saw that there was something where Jesus was operating and his fellowship, his communion. And they said, Lord, teach us, teach us, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, all right, I'm going to give you the teaching. I didn't tell you you have to pray this, pray, pray, pray this. I didn't say you to pray, oh, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But here is the teaching. When you pray, this is what you do. This is how it works. You say what? Our Father. My Father and your Father. My Father is your Father. That's the declaration of the oneness that we have with him. The being a joint heir with him. It is a declaration of the brotherhood. It's also a declaration of the love of the Father. So that even when you declare the name of Jesus, and I'm, I'm kind of like going off on the name of Jesus, which wasn't, wasn't what it was really going to go, but when you talk about the name of Jesus, you're talking about the embodiment of the Godhead. You, you are the, every time you say, in the name of Jesus, you are declaring how much the Father loves you. So our Father, hallowed be thy name. In fact, since we are, all we are talking about these activities that we are to function in, 
so that Jesus can flow through us. Those five activities, prayer, fellowship, worship, the word, and evangelism, reaching the lost. Just a thought in prayer. Jesus said, this is how you pray, our Father. In other words, the very beginning of your prayer and your fellowship with God, your Father, is not based on how you feel. It's not based on what's happening. It's not based on the circumstances. It's not based on how much you are hurting. It's not based on the abundance or the lack or anything else. Your position, your, the very beginning of prayer is to be in this place. Your, this position you have. He is my father. He is my father. All of your prayer, the very, it's the, it comes from this place where you have to have this clarity. You have to have this revelation. This has got to be embedded in you that he is my father and I am his son. If you don't have that, what will happen is you're going to pray from another place. What do I mean by that? It says in Romans chapter 8 verse 15 that God has not given us a spirit of what? Bondage again to fear. God has not given you a spirit of bondage again to fear. And if you don't pray from this place of sonship, our father, you're going to end up play, praying from a place of bondage, from a place of fear, from a place of condemnation, from a place of insecurity, from a place where you're separated from God and you're anticipating what's going to go wrong. It's going to get worse before it gets better. That's not the place you pray from. That is how the world prays. What am I going to do? What's going to happen next? Fear. But God has delivered you and set you free from that spirit of fear. You pray from the place of Abba, Father, our Father. Amen? Hebrews chapter 10, reading from verse 17 says that we enter into the holiest. It says their sins, God says their sins and their iniquities, their lawlessness. I'm not going to remember it anymore. And where there is a remission and a removal of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. There is no record of your sins and your shortcomings before God. For that reason, there is no guilt. There is no condemnation. There is no sentence on you. But rather, therefore, that be the case, brethren, let us enter into the holiest. How? That's into the very presence, into the very throne room. How? Through the blood of Jesus. Jesus, who was a man, but yet he was God. Humanity, but with divinity. And the veil of his flesh, you can enter into the holiest by this new and living way through the veil of his flesh. And you could come and you could say, my father. You could come and you could say, my father, I am here. I belong here. This is where I live. This is my position. I'm here in the throne room, in your presence. Thank you. Are you with me? The person of Jesus is the name. Now, the name and the person of Jesus are one. For that reason, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works, <laughs> I like to always say, he who believes in me, he who believes the way I believe, 
Not any, any other way. You got to believe the way he believes. Amen? All right, let's continue though. The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I've gone to the Father. In other words, you're going to do these works and greater works. Why? Because he's gone to the Father. In other words, because of resurrection. Say resurrection. Remember going back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 20 and 21, the God of peace that brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equipped you, make you, cause, give you everything you need to do his will and to do what is well pleasing in his sight through Christ himself. And that scripture there is talking about resurrection. Say because of resurrection. Say because of the blood. Hallelujah. You see, without the revelation of resurrection and the blood, you're going to pray from earth to heaven. And you're going to pray the circumstances, the environment, the fears, what's going on in the natural realm, what you're feeling, thinking that from a place where the mind is not renewed. But when you pray, when you have a revelation of the blood and you have a revelation of resurrection, then you're going to pray from heaven to earth. And that's the prayer that God is, that's how God says Jesus to pray. Jesus says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth how? As it is in heaven. Without the revelation of resurrection and the blood of Jesus and the fact that you are seated at the Father's right hand and you are a son of God, you're not going to be praying the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're going to be looking at what's happening on earth, and you're going to be praying from that place rather from the position that you're in at the Father's right hand. I've said this before, and it always worth repeating. It is praying from your position that will change the condition. Amen? So, okay, back over here. So Jesus said, John chapter 14, the works that I do shall you do also because I've gone to the Father. And whatever you shall ask, whatever you shall demand as your right, whatever you're going to demand as being due you in my name, I will do it. Who will do it? Jesus says, he will do it. Who will do it? He will do it. The person of Christ will do it. That the Father might be glorified in the Son. And just to repeat, if you ask or demand anything in my name, this is not prayer. This is a demand realm. Amen? When you go to the bank and you got money in that bank and you got money in that account, you're not going there and pleading with some, with some teller. Amen? You make a demand. Sometimes you don't even have to talk to the teller. You just get your card, stick it in a machine, and you demand what you want because it's there. Isn't that right? And in fact, if you were to demand from that teller and that teller begin to misbehave and want to ask you a whole bunch of questions and deny giving you the money, you can say, look, I need to talk to your boss. All right? Are you with me? Because this is my stuff. So whatever you demand in my name, Jesus says, if you demand anything in my name, I'm going to do it. Now, I'm going to teach you that sometime. I've regarding anything, but let me go on. Anything in my name, that's in my person. In my person. Amen? And that is why you see if it's not in this person, you will find that it's not in the will of God, etc., etc., etc. But let's move on. Mark chapter 16, 15 to 20, that's what Jesus was talking about. 
go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He says, you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Is it because of you? No. It is because of him in you. In my name, you lay hands on the sick. It's me there. All right? It's me. It's him. It's him. It even goes on to say, he says he was going to accompany his word with signs following. Amen? So we've got to make that calculation. We have got to make that evaluation. We have got to come to that in, intentional consciousness and awareness that the name, Jesus, and his name are one. So that when I speak the name of Jesus, I am declaring himself. Amen? So we're not using the name in some frivolous, familiar, oh, the name of Jesus. You know, we're not just throwing it around. We hallow it. We separate it. We recognize what it is. We recognize it's for the will of God as it is in heaven. Not for the will of man on earth. All right. But say Christ said Jesus is in his name. So let's go back to Christ through you. Amen? So the power and the authority of the name, they belong to us and it is our right in the name of Jesus. But it comes out of the revelation of resurrection and blood. Look, one more scripture while we're still in John here. Say Jesus and the name. All right. I want you to put those two together. Look at this verse of scripture. You may have seen it before and it didn't quite make as much sense. John chapter 20 verse 31. Because quite often in the past, when, at least for me, whenever I think about the name of Jesus, I would think about authority. Which it is. Amen? But it's more than authority. The reason it is authority is because he's in his name. And he spoiled principalities and powers. He defeated hell. Death, sickness, disease, poverty, lack. He defeated it all. And because he defeated all, whatever we do, do all what? In the name. That's why it is authority. But, but, let, but, let's, but let's make sure that we have this connection, the name and the person. Amen? Look at John chapter 20, verse 31. And these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You may have what? Life in his name. Whose life? Not your own. You've already got not His life. You see, the life is in the name. Jesus is in his name. Say that with me. Say, Jesus is in the name. Jesus is in the name. Jesus is in the name. Hallelujah. And that name is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee bows because everything bows to him. Amen? The word of God has gone out of his mouth in righteousness that unto me every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. That's the reason why that name has authority at the throne of God. That's why the name has authority on earth and under the earth, visible and invisible. Because he's above all. God gave him the most excellent name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> now let's consider. Okay, okay, fine. All right. So let's consider now. We're still looking at what? What are we looking at? Christ through you. Say Christ through me. All right. Glory to God. Now, if you were to study the Gospels, you will find 
you know, each one of them wrote from a slightly different perspective. Matthew, from the perspective of, of the kingdom of heaven. Mark, which was really Peter writing to Mark, right? right? About the kingdom of God. John wrote so that we can have fellowship with the Father and, and we could have a comprehension of that fellowship. But Luke, Luke wrote the book of Luke and the, and the book of Acts from a historical perspective so that we can see and have evidence and he tabulated what Jesus did, the signs, the wonders. And you will find more, 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 more um, testimonies, so to speak, of healings, signs, and wonders in the book of Luke than you would in Mark, John, or Matthew. So, so let's, let's, and then when, and then when it gets to the, to the book of Acts, we call it the Acts of the Possible, of the Possible, that's a nice word. <laughs> we call it the Acts of the Possible, of the, what did I say that again? <laughs> we call it the Acts of the Apostles. But in actual fact, they are a continuation of what Jesus, the risen Christ, did through the apostles. And through people like, what was it, Philip? Through people like Philip and Stephen and the disciples. Remember that there was a disciple, the disciple that prayed for, um, for um, Paul? He was not an apostle. The book of Acts are, uh, are the acts of that risen Savior, Christ that is alive, flowing through his believers, through his church, his body, the fullness of him that fill it all in all. And that's why those acts are to continue today. That's what Jesus said, because I'm risen. What I did, you're going to do also. Now, why are we preaching this? Why are we doing this? Because we need to get our faith right. We need to line up. Amen? All right, good. Hallelujah. So let's examine that. Now, now remember, as we do, as we look at Christ through us, we have to continually make this identification that it's no longer me here, but it's Christ in me. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. Galatians 2 verse 20. I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus, so that the life also of Christ will be made manifest. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10. Philippians Philemon verse 6. I acknowledge that every good thing that is in me so that my faith can work. I acknowledge greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So we just continually make that identification that it is him here, not just me. It is him here. And from that place, we can be that effective witness. From that place is where we pray for people. It is from that place with that identification that we lay hands on the sick. That we cast out devils. Amen? All right, fair enough. All right, so let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 3. Glory to God, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 3. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 3. Let's have some fun. Can we have some fun? <laughs> All right, Acts chapter 3, reading from verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. 
The ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily. How often? Daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple. Now, let's recognize this. This guy was lame from, his, from the time he was born. And when you had a, when you had a child that, that, is, that, that, that has some severe impediment, and you put him at the gate at the temple where people are going in, and, and he's there to beg. His legal right to be in that place to beg is his handicap. He can't walk. He's blind, whatever the case might be. Amen? And he became almost a source of revenue for the family. So we can assume that this man, later on we're going to find out that he was 40 years old, when he's going to be delivered and healed and all of that. We can assume that from the time he was a child, he was at that gate. The spirits used to put him every day. His parents took him, put, leave him at the gate, come back at the end of the day, pick him up, bring him home. Amen, what a life. But this is the same temple where Jesus was when he was eight years old. Remember that? And he says, I must be about my father's business. He was in that temple at eight years old. Later on, when he was 33, before he went to the cross and all that, when he went and he tore the temple upside down, <laughs> and he says, my house must be called the house of prayer. It was the same temple. In Luke chapter 4, and I think verse 16, when he went into the temple before he was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy, and then he went into the temple and he took the book, and he, and he found the place in Isaiah where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, etc., in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it says, as his custom was, he went into the temple. In other words, he went there often. Now, this man was at the gate of the temple probably from the time Jesus was 8 years old because the man is going to be healed when he's 40. Therefore, when Jesus was 8 years old, the man was what? 7, 15 years old. Are you with me? And there were many times the disciples and Jesus went back and forth and the man was there. Now, you kind of wonder, well, why didn't Jesus heal him? Why did Jesus deliver him? Well, Jesus only did what he saw the Father do, and he only did what the Father told him to do. Amen? And he didn't have a word from the Father to raise that man up. Any more than he had a word from God when he, when, when he heard that Lazarus was sick to dash down there quickly. He waited for a couple of days. Are you with me? That came out of his fellowship with the Father that he was able to hear and see and do and so on. Okay. But anyway, let's continue. So Peter is coming into this day, and, he's, and, and the man, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, they asked alms of him, of them. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. Peter shifted to I. He, he, kind of, he left the us now. He said, such as, <laughs> let's, let's go on. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have, Peter knew something that he had. I don't know if John knew it or not, but Peter knew he had this. But what I do have, I give you in the name of who? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now remember, Jesus is in his name. 
rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who had sat begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as a lame man who was healed, held on to Peter and John, <laughs> all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied, and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to, to set him free, when Pilate was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the Just One, and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead. Say, I believe in resurrection. And of which we are witnesses, and his name, his name, true faith in his name, remember he's in the name, has made this man strong whom you see. No, yes, the faith which comes through him, through Christ, has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, etc. But I got I to I skip some of this, all right. So let's move right down to chapter 4. Now as Jesus, but as they spoke to the temple, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees, they came, they came upon them. And they were being greatly disturbed. This is the Sadducees and those guys that the people taught and they preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. And, they, uh, 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 and put him in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Let me drop down to verse, and actually verse 2 in the King James says that they preached in that name, I think. Right? Anyway, let me drop down to verse um, 10. Peter said, answering to them, let it be known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, not, by the, not just the name, because he's in the name, but by him, this man stands here before you whole. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name, no other person on the heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And then it goes on to say in verse 17, but so the, the people, no, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees said to them, so that this thing spread no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that, they, that from now on that they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach, not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. Even the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious folks, they recognized that it was, it, was more, it, it, was, it was this name. They recognized that it is the person of Christ. It is as if Jesus was indeed risen from the dead and he was doing this. They recognized that. What am I saying? You and I need to recognize that also. Amen? So what is it going to take 
for Christ to flow through us. What is it going to take? What is it going to take? We have to surrender. We have to yield. We have to function in that place where it's no longer I, but it is Christ, the very person of Christ that is living in me. And daily, the Bible says daily, daily and continually, we got to literally function and practice these eight aspects of the sacrifice of Christ that we, we've been talking about. And we're going to literally, we got to practice living in this place through the sacrifice, recognizing that it's Christ that's living in me, recognizing I'm crucified with him, buried with him, and all these other things, resurrection, the blood of Jesus. But we must also begin to practice the various, the five activities that Jesus himself desires to work through us. Prayer, fellowship, worship, the word, and evangelism. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close here, but in, in, Acts, in, in Acts chapter 2, talk about the early church. I'm saying we've got to practice these things. We have got to operate in these activities. We cannot just have a, just a random prayer life, if any, fellowship, worship, the word, if, and, not, and not line up and allow Jesus to flow in these areas. Because as we do, he'll be able to do so more, and then he's going to begin to flow through. The church, in the, early, the early church did that to some degree. Acts chapter 2, reading from verse, verse 42. They continued steadfastly in what? The apostles' doctrine. That's the word. And what else? Fellowship. In breaking of bread. There is something about communion and breaking of bread that is, a, that, is a, that is a practical application and declaration of my fellowship with the Father, my fellowship with Jesus, my fellowship with the Holy Ghost, and my fellowship with the body of Christ. They operated in that fellowship. They operated in the word. And in the breaking of bread and in prayers, prayer was there. And the fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Well, of course, look, what they, look what's happening. So Christ can flow through them. It goes on to say in verse 46, so, so continually, daily, with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. So there was that element of, there was, there was prayer, there was fellowship, there was, there was, um, there was, there, there was the praise and the worship, and we know there was worship because later on we're going to see how the fear of God came upon them all. And there is a connection between the fear of the Lord and worshiping. Abraham said, me and the boy are going to go worship. And as he did, God responded by saying, now I know you fear me. Psalms 112 says, blessed is a man that fears the Lord and delight greatly in his commandment. The Amplified says, blessed is a man that worshipfully reverences God and so on and so forth. Amen? Now, so there is that connection. In, in Acts 9, verse 31, said they walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and they were multiplied. Those people were operating in praise and worship. They were operating in prayer. They were operating in the Word. And they were operating in fellowship. And we certainly know they went about and they preached. They certainly were preaching. They certainly were doing some evangelism. They certainly were, 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 were out there sharing. They were pregnant with God's desire to see the law saved. Well, we have got to basically do the same. Hallelujah. Amen. Prayer, fellowship, worship. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. We are the time, so we got to stop. But let's go back to Hebrews. Let's close here and let us pray from Hebrews chapter 13 where we began. Hallelujah. Let's just stand. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. I'm just going to pray and be inspired from here. Glory to God. But I want you to say this right now. Say, Father, I want Jesus' prayer life as my prayer life. I want Jesus' fellowship and intimacy with you as my fellowship with you. I want Jesus' Jesus's worship, reverence, and honor for you for, the, for wanting to be my, the activity of my life. Father, it is my desire that I would live by every word of God just like Jesus did. And Father, I do desire that I would have your heartbeat, your desire to seek and save and reach the lost. Do that in the name of Jesus. I make myself available. I yield myself to you. And I do recognize that by the blood and that by resurrection, I am now your child. I'm born of your spirit. I live in your presence. I have access to your throne. And I am your agent for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm to be your mouthpiece. I'm to be your hands. I'm to be your feet. My very body, I offer it to you as a living sacrifice. It is the least and reasonable worship, offering myself. And so, Father, this is your body. Jesus, this is your temple. You said, this body has been prepared to do the will of God. So I'm believing you, Father, that by the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the blood of this covenant, that you are working in me and you are working through me, that which is pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ himself in the name of Jesus. Amen.